First Kings chapter 18, and we'll read the whole of the chapter. Uh, I know that there are some of you who like to take away uh, the schedule that I have in the course of the months ahead, uh, and we appreciate your prayers if you would like to do that. There's some of them on the table, even if you could remember us once a week, that would be lovely. First uh, Kings chapter 18 verse 1, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto the fountains of water, and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whether my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets, fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. 
And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, behold, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Ahab went to meet, to Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it upon wood, and put no fire under. And call ye in the name of your gods, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and go dress it, for ye are many. And call in the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and they, they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leapt upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after 
their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrows with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God. And that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat. And drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said unto his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, There is nothing and he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up 
Say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And that is the word of the Lord. Just a word of prayer. Father God, once again we turn to your word and we ask for your help. Show us these things within your word that you would have us know and understand. And we do pray that by the time we leave here, we will know that we have been in the presence of the God of Elijah, our God. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can just almost imagine the scene as the sun beat down on this man called Obadiah. Three years had passed, no rain. If there were three years passed in our nation with no rain, things would be pretty bad. But you can imagine in a, a part of the world that was very dry anyway, then there'd be no rain for three years, just how bad the situation would have been. What would normally, in certain places, certainly around the water, would there would be some lush places to rest and to refresh oneself, the lushness had well and truly gone. Many of the brooks and rivers had dried up, and the animals were suffering, and many were dying. And we have to remember that this drought came about as the Elijah the prophet had passed judgment on the land and on King Ahab. Ahab was a particularly evil king, despicable in all his ways. He had married a pagan wife and he paid for it. And so the entire northern kingdom of Israel was suffering because the king and many of the people of Israel had turned their hearts away from the true and the living God. So we have this man as he carries on his trek under the relentless Middle Eastern sun. He thought that he was going to look for any little bit of water that was left in the land. But to be honest, God had other things in mind for him on that day. Ahab had turned from God. 
and the people pay. And just a brief aside, if we look at our day and generation, the people have turned from God in a mighty way. The people, even in our own nation, are accepting things which go against Creator God's desire and wish. And there's drought, spiritual drought, in the land. <coughs> we cannot possibly say that this is a period of blessing within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It most certainly is not. It is a time where men and women who should know better are tolerating things that ought never to have entered in <coughs> to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go back to where we are this evening before we get totally sidetracked. The king, instead of worshipping the God of Israel, now worshipped Baal. A lifeless idol. He had even built a temple that was set aside for the worship of Baal. And the drought and the famine were but the fruits of the actions of the king and of the people. They may well have had some head knowledge of Jehovah, but their hearts were very, very far from him. But you know, as, as I study these things, and, and maybe it's the same for yourselves, there, there are questions that suddenly come across your mind and you can't leave them. You have to answer them. And this was one of the times where one of these questions came into my mind. Am I any better than these people? Are there instances in my life where I wobble between Devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ or the desire for the things of the world. We cannot straddle the fence. It is either to be all one way or the other or nothing. Like all man-made deities, Baal was only as powerful as his followers. All pagan worship is the same. Queen Jezebel was, in fact, the nation's chief worshipper of this chunk of stone. And she led a massacre of prophets who dared to speak out against this godlessness that was taking part within Israel. 
and their blood flowed in the streets. Poignant reminder of the cost of faithfulness. And as I read this, and I know it's something of a much smaller scale, but one of the times I was over in Ukraine, I was invited into a pastor's house one evening for supper. And as we were going up the stairs, the lift broken down years ago, there were pink stains on the stones. And I said to him, what are these? He said, that's the leftover when the secret police came to arrest us. They would beat us up in the stairs going down. And that is the blood that won't come out of the stone. The cost of discipleship and faithfulness. Despite the withering heat, as Obadiah made his way on the road, I think there must have been a bit of an icy chill in his spine. As he thought of those men who had suffered and died for their faithfulness and how his own life was almost hanging on a very thin strand. It would seem from the Bible narrative that Ahab still trusted in Obadiah. But how long that would be before the king or the queen found out that he had in fact hidden a hundred prophets of Jehovah in wilderness caves and was feeding them and taking them bread and water. How long it would be till he was found out. But as he walked, there suddenly was another with him on the road. A man dressed in camel hairs, leather belt around his waist. His hair and beard were long. And his appearance really, well, all but otherworldly. And trembling, Obadiah falls to the ground. And he says these words, is that you, my Lord, Elijah? And what follows is quite remarkable. It is I, said the prophet, go tell your master, Elijah is here. That must have been the greatest fear that this man would ever have experienced in his life. How could he go? And expect to live. Go to the king and say Elijah is here. And he says so. Obadiah asked. Are you delivering me into the hand of Ahab to kill me? There's not a, a nation or a kingdom that the king has not sent individuals to go and to try and find you. And they weren't going to find him and bring him back for tea and cakes. They were going to find him to kill him. And he says, and now you want me to go and say, Elijah is here. He said, surely... And as sure as anything, as I go and say that, the Spirit of God will take you somewhere else. And humanly speaking, we can understand this man's dilemma. I'm sure there's not one of us in this 
hall tonight who wouldn't have said the same argument and had the same thoughts in mind. The meeting between king and prophet was not cordial. Ahab calls Elijah the troublemaker of Israel. To which Elijah replied, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. And then there is the great invitation to a quite wonderful spectacle. And I use the word wonderful guardedly. And it was all going to take place for one reason. That the people will know. What would they know? That the people would know that I am the Lord. If you read through a lot of the Old Testament prophets (coughs) and over the last year and a half I've had the privilege of taking a wee mission through Ezekiel on a Saturday afternoon once a month and throughout that prophecy things happen and there's always that bit added on that the people may know that I am the Lord. Ahab did exactly as Elijah had requested nation including the prophets of Baal and Asherah gathered at Mount Carmel and Elijah throws down the gauntlet here we are one man on his own standing up for his God and he looked across the crowds and he said how long will you halt between two opinions if the Lord is God follow him but if Baal then follow him the people were halting better translation of that is hobbling on two crutches was it Jehovah or Baal there was indifference there was half heartedness among the people Like the lame, there was no evenness in their walk. Consistency in their conduct had gone. All God's moral laws had been laid aside because with all of these false gods, usually at least part of their practices involved immoral behavior. By profession, they may just have thought, well, they were the people of God. But by practice, their hearts were far from him. There was no affection for Jehovah in their hearts. And as Elijah sets forth His proclamation to the people, only silence can be heard. One man 
against all of these individuals. And there's silence. Isn't it interesting what one man of God can do? And in our day and generation, where generally there is little thought or interest for God, equally one man or one woman can accomplish a lot if their hearts are sold out for their God. Elijah wasn't worried whether he would win the competition or lose. He knew the victory would be God's. That raised another question. Do we really believe that if we stand up for our God that he will not fail us and that at the end of it all our God will win? And what our nation needs at this point are men and women of God to stand up and be counted. Not to be afraid of what they believe. Not to be afraid of the enemy. But to have faith that their God will never ever fail them. So here was a nation that was committing gross spiritual adultery. And the fire of God's judgment was just about to burst upon them. And so the challenge begins. 400 prophets of Baal, they were to demonstrate their God's power. The bull was to be laid in the altar. The wood was to be there. No fire. The catch was that these prophets of Baal were to call upon their God and that their God would answer by fire. And boy did they try. They worked hard. They screamed. They jumped about. They cut themselves. But nothing happened. Not a thing. And as they danced about, boldly Elijah taunts them. He says, cry aloud for he is a God. He may be meditating, he may be busy, he may be on a journey, he may be sleeping and needs to be awakened. Can't imagine that went down tremendously well, but there we are. At the end of the day, as it came time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah puts a stop to it all and he gathers the people together and he rebuilds the altar Twelve large stones, according to the number of the twelve tribes of Israel. He digs a trench round the altar. The wood is laid on the stones. The bullock on top of it all. And then turns to the men around him and says, Listen, fill up four water pots full of water and pour them on the altar. 
And he asked them to do it twice more. Until the wood and the animal were absolutely waterlogged. And then he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day in Israel that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. You can almost imagine his voice echoing in the valley. Hear me, O Lord, he shouts again, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Elijah had implicit faith in his God. He didn't ask a question. He didn't ask God to do something if he wanted to do it. He made a statement of faith knowing full well that his God would answer. Not doubting in any way. And the fire descends from heaven, consumes the bull, the wood, the stones, the dust and the water. However, one thing I find amazing here is, is this. God in his mercy, despite the evil committed by the people, would have had every right to allow the, water, the, the fire to consume them too. And that judgment would still have been just. It was restricted to the altar and to the sacrifice. Even though it would have been within God's right to consume them all. And that made me think of another sacrifice. When the judgment of sin that was deserved to be poured upon each and every one of us only went on the cross and the sacrifice and the one who was willing to pay the price for us to have a relationship with Almighty God. I'm sure at this point Tears must have filled the eyes of the prophet as he turned to see the people of Israel prostrate on the ground. The Lord, he is God, they were shouting. The Lord, he is God. But you see, the victory was not Elijah's. The victory was God's. Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let anyone escape. These individuals who had held the people in spiritual bondage they had threatened spiritual failure. And they had to be slain, and they were. And Elijah was the one who executed that. But there was something that followed from there. And in the light of such a great victory, we would... Allow Elijah some time to refresh and to recuperate. But there was a certain part of the proceedings that was not yet finished. There was something else that had to happen. The spiritual barrenness had to be 
addressed. The physical barrenness of the land had to be dealt with. The people had seen God's fire judgment. Now they were going to see God's rain blessing. And the prophet, once the proceedings had been done with his servant, they go up further in Mount Carmel and Elijah is bowed to the ground. I wonder what he was doing when he was bowed to the ground. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if this man was in conversation with his God. Remember, it hadn't rained for three years. Everything dried up, food scarce, animals dying. And he says to his servant, go look towards the sea. And the man went up and he saw absolutely nothing. Six times the servant went up the west side of the mountain looking towards the Mediterranean and he returned with the same answer, nothing. Now, Elijah was human. He maybe could have been forgiven for just giving up on this one, but he didn't. What would I have done? It's another one of these questions, isn't it? And the servant goes the seventh time, and this time it is entirely different. And he comes back full of excitement and he says this, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. That's all it needed. From a human point of view, it was something very small. And Elijah says, go say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. You see, when the rain came, it wasn't just a wee shower. It came in torrents. As God's blessing was once again poured out on the land. It says there was heavy rain. If you look at the original language, it actually says this. There was great rain. We can try to imagine that. And although most of us today wouldn't necessarily find ourselves surrounded by worshippers of idols, we live in cultures the culture that we live in worships objects, things, desires, little thought for God. Materialism in the West is the God of this age. It tempts Christians. Sadly, for some, it ensnares them as well as unbelievers. Like Elijah, the church must be willing not only to stand up against the 21st century bales, 
but also to remind those around us that there is a choice they have to make because judgment is coming. If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone is the only way of revival. And changes will only be seen if there are changes within the hearts of God's people. Because before we can go and denounce the world outside, we need to check there's nothing within our own hearts that is suspect. Judgment begins in the house of God. We're reminded that the mighty victory of the Lord Jesus at Calvary It doesn't mark the end of our Christian experience. It's just the beginning of it. Just the start. Again with questions. Some more searching than I would like to admit. I have to ask the questions of myself. Am I watching? And am I praying with the faith of Elijah? Do I believe in the same way and manner that Elijah believed? Or are my ears dull? Are they no longer sensitive to the voice of God? Because there are too many things in the world that I am allowing to clamor in my mind. A.W. Pink says this, If we were more separated from the din of this world, if we were in closer communion with God, our ears would hear the softest whisper. And how true that is. Are our spiritual senses so in tune with God that we hear his tiny whisper. They ought to be. They ought to be. And when we pray, do we have belief that we trust a God who answers prayer? Because it's easy to have words. We can say the most spiritual sounding prayers that we like. But if there's no depth in the heart. We'd be as well keeping our mouths shut. Do we really believe that God will answer our prayers? Whatever they are. And sometimes he answers prayers and the answer is different from the one we would like. But he still answers them. And as you think of this fellowship, since we are here in Bones this evening, the prayers that you pray as a fellowship, do you believe that God will answer them? Or is it the kind of vague hope so 
That wasn't the faith of Elijah. His feet were planted firmly on the ground. And that even although there were times and moments of weakness. That he experienced difficulty. Nonetheless the general way of looking at his life. As revealed in the Bible. He was a man of faith. A man. Who trusted in his God. He was the man who would have heard the softest of whispers. The Bible has the knack, hasn't it, of addressing things in our own life and experience. That we would rather sweep under the carpet. But it cannot be so. We either believe him or we don't. We either trust him or we don't. And the God who asks for our trust is the God who made all that we see the God who keeps it in place, the God who wants the best for his people. Surely there can be no other response to him than total and utter surrender. Not just in circumstances where we are surrounded by fellow believers and it's easy to live the surrendered life. But out there in the world, where for the most part they think we're nuts anyway. And we're these bad people who, when we speak about what God's Word teaches, that we are these awful people that really we should be ashamed of ourselves. Really? No. If we believe this is God's word, we believe it. And we stand upon it. Even when we're not the most popular people. Let us have the faith and the belief of Elijah. 